0: Hello, how are we doing? It's time for wake up to the word Old Testament Friday. And uh what's our date today? The date is June 9th. June 9th, Old Test uh New Testament Friday, but I have an Old Testament update. I got so excited to get into what we talked about yesterday that I skipped something that I'm sure many of you have questions about. So we're going to have a little bonus lead-in, bonus lead-in to uh, New Testament Friday with a little add-on from Old Testament Thursday. (sighs) So this is all the way down, all the way back in 21. And we have um, verses six through nine, I guess. <clears throat> First of all, uh, I'll start. I'll start at five. Um, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Nah, 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 nah. Lots of, of uh, naysaying. That's right. We don't like it one bit. Then the Lord sent, this is verse 6, then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, Shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So, what is that all about? Well, I do. I have linked something to Jeff's stack of stuff for you, and a nice little article on it. But it's this is uh, an incredible symbolism that's going on. The serpent, as we all know. Represents that sin. It represents the sin uh, that's come into the world. And when you are bitten by sin, the consequences are death. Is death. The consequences of sin are death. So the symbolism here is this serpent is biting people and they're dying. So you put the serpent on a stake. On a stake. And when people look upon it, they live. So the serpent bites them. The consequences are coming for their sin. But if they look upon the serpent on the stake, they live. The symbolism, the shadow here is amazing that the sin was put on Christ on the cross. And anyone who looks to the cross and sees that the sin is on the cross with Christ and he is paying the penalty, they live. So that's the symbolism there. God is just laying that out, even in the Old Testament there with that quick little um, lesson for them as they were um, grumbling and complaining and... uh, So he took the opportunity to both set them straight and give them a shadow of what was to come. All right, let's start New Testament Friday now. Uh, We're going deep from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. We are going to get into the New Testament. You had your bonus introduction, bonus introduction to... Bonus introduction to the New Testament Friday with a little Old Testament bonus. So now we're back to the New Testament, John 8 and 9 here on New Testament Friday. So here we go. Let's get into the Word of God. Woman caught in adultery. Now remember, we had a note. uh, And this is just so you understand biblical uh, text textual variants and biblical uh, translation uh, many of you may have in your bible you can check this right at the end of chapter seven it says the earliest manuscripts do not have chapter seven verse 53 through chapter 8 11. so this is the very end which is all encapsulated on my copy uh, in the english standard it has the note 53 is the last verse of chapter 7, and and this first section about the woman caught in adultery is not in the earliest manuscripts, but they've put it in here because it was carried into the Bible for a long period of time before they realized that the uh, older manuscripts didn't have this, and there's nothing overtly anti-biblical about it. But uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery, she gets caught in adultery and it's interesting that uh, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Uh, where's the guy? Where's the guy she was caught with? You, you know, just get caught in you know, just the woman. So this just tells you what the culture is all about here. <clears throat> and as they continue to ask him, <clears throat> and so they asked Jesus to test him that Moses commanded the woman to be stoned. So what do you say? And, uh, He wrote with his finger on the ground. That's very interesting. What did he write? Uh, What was he writing on the ground? And, and And it keeps going. It doesn't even explain it. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to cast a stone. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. Now, I wonder if he wrote on the ground and they ignored it. He got up and said that and then wrote on the ground again if he wasn't listing out, writing out their sins, individually, specific sins that he knew that they were engaged in, the ones who were standing around, particularly the ones who were most verbal, the scribes and the Pharisees. He was writing their sins. I don't know for sure. I put a little note in my Bible. That's entirely possible. Because after he says this, once more he bent down and ran on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to the woman, Where are Where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So, <clears throat> Interesting, if you look at this in a legal fashion in a legal sense, and they are talking about the law, and it was scribes and Pharisees uh Jesus is essentially asking acting as her defense attorney, and uh one by one he takes care of the witnesses, any of the witnesses that are poking that she's she's a lawbreaker? Where are they? Where are the witnesses? There's no one no witnesses all right then. The case is dismissed. And now, like any good lawyer, he's going to say to her, because she's still living under the law, so is Jesus. So, legally, she should have been stoned. But Jesus acted as her defense attorney, just like he does for you and me when he went on the cross, he acted in our defense, gets rid of the witnesses, and then like any good defense attorney, he says, now get out of here. And don't do it anymore. Don't don't sin anymore. Go and go and, uh, and and live a good life. So uh then he goes on to say, I am the light of the world. This is uh twelve. Uh this whole section is twelve through thirty. Um it it's interesting because they start to they start to uh task him in that uh being the light of the world. Uh, You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one, Jesus says. Yet even, this is verse 16 now, uh, Yet even I do judge my judgment, for even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me, bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And I wrote, ouch. Ooh, he tagged him on that one because these are scribes and Pharisees. They are supposed to know God. They are the ones who speak for God. These are the ones that interpret the law. These are the ones that walk around telling people you're breaking the law. You're breaking the law. You're breaking God's law but yet they do not recognize God. And uh, we come to the next section, starting at 31. Uh, Jesus says to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will also know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Very popular verse. They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Where the heck have have they been? Obviously, Abraham's uh, people have been enslaved, but they may have not in their lifetime. So I understand what (laughs) what they're talking about. How is it that you say, how is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Did you hear that? Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offering you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words, my word finds no place in you. I I speak of what I know, or I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Oh, and it's going to get uglier. They answered, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the work, the works your father did they said to him we were we were born of sexual we were born of sexual immorality we have one father even god jesus said to them if god were your father you would love me for i came from god and i am here i came not of my own accord but he sent me why do you not understand what i say it is because you cannot bear to hear my word you are your father the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of god and i made a note <clears throat> and i don't i think it's even truer today than it was then obviously i don't know can you get truer those who live in lies cannot recognize the truth because those who live in lies that's satan Cannot recognize the truth. That's Jesus. You live in lies. Lying is what you're about. Satan is your master. Satan's your father. And you won't even recognize the truth until you turn from the sin. Then he goes on to say, before Abraham was, I am. And there's, people sometimes say... That Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, this say this is where he does claim to be God. 56, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. Excuse me, verse 56 of chapter 8. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and, ha- and, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why did they pick up stones? Because what he said was blasphemy. He said it in Greek, it's ego imi, which is I am, a self-existing one. Before Abraham, I am. You're not supposed to say that. That's the name you cannot say. So basically, he said, before Abraham, Yahweh. So this is this is uh Hava. This is what he said. This is the these are the words he gave. And this is that's from Genesis 12, Genesis 15. But these this is Jesus saying, I am. God, they recognized it. You know they recognized it because they pick up stones to stone him. It's heresy. It was complete heresy to say that. And so there's only there's only three options. There's only three options when it comes to Jesus. And And you can say this to anybody. He was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was the Lord. Because you do not say any of those things Unless you are one of those three. If if he believed he was God and he's not, he's a lunatic. If he was just trying to con people, he's a liar. But if he said these things about himself, and he was not a heretic, and he was not a liar, not a lunatic, he's the Lord. Because you don't say these things about yourself. You don't say you're God unless you're crazy or you're God. Chapter 9. This is a cool one. He heals the man who's dead, who's dead. heals the man who's blind from birth. Uh, and, the, and the disciples asked him, this is an interesting question for, for uh, some of our friends in other camps. Uh, he said, who sinned, uh, these, uh, this man or his parents, that he is born blind? <clears throat> because some people think that if you only have illness because you're, you're, you're a sinner or you've sinned or you've rejected God that's why you're that's why you're sick or you have illness or you have a malady. And so Jesus says answers a very interesting answer here. He says it was not the man's sin or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So this man was born this way for this miracle. This man was born blind so that Jesus could heal him and God's power could be seen interesting so essentially he's saying this is the work of god his blindness is the work of god that's hard to to take let me tell you that's hard to that god would let this happen that god would put this into place but he used this man for his glory Uh, all the hardship that Mary went through, all the hardship that Paul went through for God's glory, do you think now that they're in heaven, they're in glory with the Savior, that they would say, I I wish you hadn't done it that way? I bet all of them say, I would do it again to give glory to God. That's how we have to look at life's difficulties. Turn them into pointing to God's glory and they'll ne- you'll never regret any hardship in your life. The uh, another interesting take on how he healed him. Uh, he spit on the ground. He made some mud. He put it on his eyes, and he told him to go wash it off. And uh, he went and washed it off, and then he could see. Um, this is interesting because uh, the, Jesus healed somebody else uh, by just uh, um, spitting on his eyes, but this one was he made mud. Now you wonder if he was born without eyeballs or without fully formed eyeballs. And because is it possible that Jesus formed eyeballs from the dust of the earth? Just like he formed man and all that man is in in Adam from the dust of the earth. That he took some dust and made eyeballs for him. Put them in, told them to go wash the excess mud off. Excess was my word. And uh, then he could see. His eyes were there, in place, everything attached, connected, vision, all of that. Just the possibility. Just threw it out there. It's interesting. Interesting angle. <clears throat> then they were testing him. Uh, of course, Jesus did this on the Sabbath. Uh, just, uh, just to cause more controversy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's doing it on purpose. He's trying to rile people up. He's trying to show that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So he keeps healing people on the Sabbath. <clears throat> because people need healing on the Sabbath too. I, I, you know, probably healed people every day. So he just didn't stop while he was here. <clears throat> so he healed him on the Sabbath. Of course, they give him a hard time about that. Then they start questioning the guy. And he says, uh, and then Jesus comes up to him and he says, uh, uh, I love this conversation. Um, it's it's down here and uh, I'm looking for it. Oh, uh, 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Uh, he got in this argument. He actually outsmarted uh, the Pharisees and the scribes. He was the, the guy who was healed of blindness. Uh, what great Great conversation he had. He's just telling him the truth, and uh, they they kicked him out. So Jesus heard that he had been cast out, and he found him and said, "Do you believe in the Son of Man?" And he answered, "Who is Who is he, sir? Who Who's the Son of Man?" He said, uh, who, "Who is he?" And he say, "Okay, he healed him. did Didn't he know who he was? He was blind. He was blind. He sent him to wash off the mud, and then he saw Jesus wasn't there anymore." So he didn't know what he looked like. So Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, oh Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. So the lesson for the Pharisees, the lesson for everybody that day was that Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind and to help everyone see. Your choice, are you gonna heed it? Are you gonna look at the serpent on the cross? The sin that was placed on the cross? Are you gonna gaze at Jesus? Look at the son of man and surrender your life to him as Lord and savior. That's what he's asking. Not say a prayer, not put something in the offering, not go to church every Sunday. All those things are great, but they're not surrendering your life. They're a result of surrendering your life. See you next week. This has been Wake Up to the Word. This is New Testament Friday. And yes, Arnold, we will be back.